I'm Sanya Mali. And I'm Tefra Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. This show is supported by our wonderful patrons on patreon.com. Patreon.com is an online uh, service which allows you to support creators of the content you love. It, we have a lot of perks, including um, early access to bonus content. We have shout outs, guest appearances, choose a book for us, um, a lot of great perks. So if you're interested in supporting us, you can head to patreon.com slash podcast to donate. We really appreciate our donors. You help us do things like pay our SoundCloud fees. Our next tier is that we'll be able to pay our editor who does hours of editing for us for free right now, and we would like to be able to pay him for that. Um, so if you want to help us out, you can head to patreon.com slash podcast. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Rush, Kathy McGuire, Chantal Thomas, Lizzie Tenhoven, Erica Stuchberry. You guys are great. This week we're talking about one of my... Um, absolute favorite books in the whole world, which I have been uh, putting forward as a candidate to be on the show probably every week since this show started over a year ago. Um, it is called Born Confused. It is by Tanuja desai Hidier. I discovered this book when I was maybe 14. It came out in 2002. And I think I was 14. And uh, I was in the public library. I was just like, I would go to the, you know, young adult room and just find a book I hadn't read yet. And I found this one and read it approximately seven million times and I love it so much and um when Sanya came on the show I was like so there's this book <clears throat> and she agreed to read it <laughs> after I talked it up a whole lot um Sanya do you think it holds up oh my god yes also I feel like I should just put like a PSA is PSA the right right word I don't know because I don't know what you're gonna say public service announcement okay sure PSA Tefford did not force me to read any of these books about brown people and Muslim people. I'm doing it on my own. I'm forcing it on her, if anything. <laughs> Even my friends are like, are you choosing to read these books? I was like, yes, 100%. Don't worry. It's not one of those weird. But yeah, I am so grateful to have read this book. It is so good. It's 500 pages and I just didn't want it to end. Um, I really wish I had read it like when I was younger because it talks about so many important issues like cultural appropriation, you know, identity in terms of like a person of color, you know, the the word South Asian and what exactly does it encompass and like so many deep like questions are like contemplated in this book and I'm very 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 grateful to have read it even though I wish I had read it when I was younger yeah it's so good mm -hmm. I realized I did not give a synopsis I just gushed about it <laughs> this book follows um Dimple Lala a teenager who lives in um New Jersey like outside of New York City she has a best friend whose name is Gwen um Dimple is Indian and her you know child of first generation immigrants so she's a second generation indian american that's how that works or is she first generation 
even when I'm trying to figure out my own immigration, like like yeah, my like, dad's um, family is an immigrant family, and I can never figure out which generation I am. Um, so anyway, her parents immigrated to the States before she was born. And it's her last, it's the summer before her last year of high school, I think. Or No, it's yeah. the summer right after her graduation. No, it's the summer before her last year of high yeah. school. And um, it's about this summer where she sort of embraces her passion for photography and works out some bumps in the road with her best friend and falls in love and really primarily discovers her identity, including her cultural identity, her artistic identity, her um, identity as a uh, larger bodied person. Um, It's just a really, really wonderful journey of self-discovery. And I love it. Tunisia Desaillardier is primarily a uh, music writer. She does a lot of rock journalism, and I think that really comes through in the writing in this book. Her descriptions are very good, especially her descriptions of music. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that makes it a real delight to read is just that, like, it's beautiful. It brings you into this world, and you really see and hear and experience all of the colors and sounds and feelings um, in a really beautiful, tangible way. Yeah, for sure. I really loved this book. At first, I was expecting it to kind of be like, you know, something um, not typical, but like I kind of expected it to be just her being super whitewashed and not considering herself Indian at all and then being like kind of forced into the situation where she had to consider another like guy for arranged marriage and then turns out like he's like the one and all this and then I thought it would have a lot to do with maybe colorism or something like that but in reality this book was just so different from what I expected it to be it was so essentially her parents don't really push the idea on her but they kind of suggest it they're like you know you're 17 and we know this family and there's they have a son and he sounds great what if you guys just met and she's you know like fine why not whatever and so she meets him and her first impression of him his name is Karsh uh and her first impression of him is that he's super super basic like nothing outstanding about him nothing impressive and she's just very negative and she's not down for anything with him uh and he gets along with her parents really well and he's like super into like uh these classic indian singers and she just feels worlds apart from him and i think that that kind of reflects uh how she's world worlds apart from her own identity as an indian uh girl you know and she struggles with that throughout the book. Um, but then a couple of nights like later, she goes to this club with her cousin, who is also uh, a student at NYU, where Karsh is also a student. And she goes to this club, and the person who's playing the music, she says it in the, she says it to herself in the book. This person is playing it for me. Like yeah. this music is for me. It's just so perfect, you know. And finally, uh, she bumps into Karsh again. And this time, the situation, I mean, the environment, it's different, you know? So they just sit next to each other and start talking about India and, like, you know, their parents and these really deep things that you often won't talk about with the guy you're trying to, like, you know, like, the first time you're, like, meeting him. And she just starts looking at him in a different light. And I really liked that about this book. I thought that from the back of it, um, I thought it would be just a love story, but it really wasn't. I think that it was like 
that was definitely a part of the book but it wasn't that only and i really appreciated that especially in two, like the 2002 like i didn't expect this at all like this book is so wonderful mm-hmm. and you know like karsh is just like almost kind of like a side character like he's not the main guy in the terms of like he's not the main person we're focusing on yeah you know besides the main character i feel like i focus more on her and her relationship with her best friend gwen yeah. who is super problematic but also like you kind of understand why she is the way she is which mm-hmm. makes it all the more confusing but mm-hmm. also all the more fun to read what were your thoughts about gwen so i like i said i, I first read this book when i was 14 or about 14 mm-hmm. and uh my best friend is indian um we met when when we were 11 we are still best friends and um gwen really kind of hit me somewhere personal because there were a lot of things that I was kind of like oh it never occurred to me that that's kind of a shitty thing to do like I absolutely I was one of those kids who was like oh you know I grew up like I love India because I read National Geographic you know <laughs> like like just being like it's because it's pretty it's like the, the saris are pretty and whatever and it, and it hadn't occurred to me as like no just kind of trying to like absorb your best friend's culture is not cool that's not like a nice thing to do to your friend that's Mm -hmm. like a kind of shitty thing to do and it actually led to us having some really good conversations which like we still have sometimes of just being like what is this so from that respect I found Gwen very helpful for helping me be like okay it doesn't matter if you like hate yourself right now you don't get to just try to take on somebody else because like they're not perfect either like you can't just absorb someone else's life and history because you don't like your own you have to like make peace with your own Mm -hmm. demons and um i love this leila afsad who does quite a lot of work uh teaching white people to help unroot white supremacy and the values of white supremacy always says when white people say well i just don't have a culture like i don't have a fun culture that's because you've decided white supremacy is your culture Mm. and you need to go beyond that you need to go back and you need to find your history and you need to find your ancestors Mm -hmm. so in that way I'm kind of still like even still engaging with some some of the themes from this book some of the themes from Gwen and being like okay how do I find my ancestors instead of trying to borrow other people's (laughs) right you just asked me about Gwen (laughs) (laughs) no yeah yeah so um from that respect, I love that. Mm. From another respect, um, Dimple Lala was the first character I ever read who had that moment of being in the dressing room and not being able to pull your pants up. Mm. And um, I had never before read this kind of conflicting relationship between my hips are my heritage, but also I hate them. Like, because I'm, like, my my body type very much comes from my sort of Middle Eastern side of the family and my siblings are all thin and my friends were all thin and and people would say like oh but it's because you're like Middle Eastern it's your heritage you like take after the Armenian side of the family and I would kind of be like well why couldn't I just not like none of my sisters do (laughs) why do I have to be the one who carries the whole of our Armenian heritage on my (laughs) hips why is that me um and I had never seen that that conflict of like body hatred becoming kind of a cultural hatred and really I mean what I can see now as an adult of like 
white supremacy and beauty ideals. The concept of having a like skinny white best friend who kind of can wear whatever and look great and like steals your clothes and wears them and looks like a model instead mm-hmm. of looking like an auntie. Like I I felt that really, yeah. really deeply. That spoke to me really, really deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of get Gwen from both sides and uh, I really appreciate her as a character kind of bringing up some narratives that have been really central in my life, really compelling and, and are still a really big part of how I think about things and like the work I do on, on myself. Yeah. So I've never really had um, like a white friend who culturally appropriated my culture, which I'm super grateful for. I mean, I've definitely seen it happen in terms of like celebrities doing it and other people in school that I really wasn't friends with. But my own best friend, for example, would, didn't ever do that. So I'm super grateful to like not have gone through that. But, you know, from this book, I get the sense that it's it must be really difficult to deal with because here's somebody who you love so much and you've chosen them as your family and yet they constantly disrespect you and, you know, they don't take you seriously. Mm-hmm. And that kind of pissed me off, especially like when I first started reading this book, I immediately noticed how passive uh dimple is like she does not speak up for herself she lets gwen take her clothes and dig through her jewelry and you know like she never says anything Mm -hmm. and she only ever thinks like you know like oh that's annoying but she'll never say anything throughout the book and then you know she lets this resentment build in her and i think the one thing that i you know really related to in terms of their friendship was surprisingly not the whole cultural uh, appropriation conversation but really like the respect conversation and just like and the whole like not telling each other everything you know it really does kill a friendship if you're not completely honest like all the time is just and then you blow up on each other one day i mean that goes for like every type of relationship not just friendship you know and we really see that in this book because dimple doesn't tell her how she makes her feel and gwen doesn't talk about anything you know substantial or like deep with her unless there's some other person around and then she'll like say it for example like oh yeah my dad and i we went through this and dimple's like i'm your best friend for 17 years and i didn't know this Mm -hmm. And, you know, this resentment builds and at the end it kind of like shows. um, So in the book, Gwen is actually falling for Karsh and she completely, you know, starts chasing him. And she thinks that the way to get him is to be more Indian, even (laughs) though she's a white girl, which to me was like, wait, what? But I mean, she starts, you know, asking um, Dimple to like borrow her clothes and like ask her mom for cooking lessons and you know she really really tries her best to become somebody she's not and she doesn't think of it as a bad thing she thinks like oh why not try to be everything that you're not in life like Mm -hmm. isn't that more fun sort of and nobody really sits her down and nobody really tells her you know this is not okay and like throughout the book i was kind of waiting for that confrontation and then finally at the end when dimple finally admits hey i like karsh and then you know everything kind of blows up i mean they talk about karsh for like a few seconds but most of the conversation is about how she feels like gwen is stealing her stuff yeah and i kind of was like okay cool so we're getting there because that is what cultural appropriation is you're stealing something and you're exploiting something that belongs to this whole other culture and you're trying to pass it off as your own not you know considering the the like 
the cultural heritage of that one for example item or like you know the the context behind it for example um like at the beginning of the book so gwen sees uh rockies yeah and she ties them around her wrist and in indian culture uh it symbolizes a relationship with the brother so she's doing that and then her mother comes in and uh, dimple's mother comes in and she's like what are you doing and gwen's like oh i just saw them and they're really pretty and then gwen's mom's like i mean dimple's mom is like um you know that's kind of super important to us and then you see by the end of the novel after you know the whole conflict and resolution it's just like this really cool scene where she uh gwen ties the rockies around um karsh mm-hmm. and around dimple to signify how she feels like they're her family and mm-hmm. like she considers them the sister and brother and like you finally see that she understands the context and like and they don't mind it they don't say anything like they're not like upset about her doing it or anything like that and i think that that's like a really big key in terms of when it comes to cultural appropriation context is everything you know and i really like that we got to see that in the book i definitely feel like uh as i was saying before uh when they're having their first you know finally they're like kind of confronting each other and she tells her you know you're stealing everything from me i feel like it's not clear enough i feel like there are so many things that are left unspoken yeah but then i was thinking about it later and i feel like this book was written in 2002 and i was like five and i'm like whoa the fact that this was even being talked about like this was a conversation in 2002 is really cool to see yeah you know so in that in that sense i think i have to be a bit more like okay wait (laughs) think about when this book was written yeah i mean i think it's it's so interesting and and great to read this book because now everybody's talking about cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. We're actually starting to be like, like we saw it in um, in Love from A to Z when they steal the friend's headdress, which yeah. I love that scene. But the fact that this book was from 2002, because in 2002, like I, 2002 was around when I started being aware of pop culture as a concept. And like, yeah, Gwen Stefani was wearing saris. Madonna was wearing saris. Like, I had bindis that I bought at Claire's. You know, mm-hmm. you could buy bindis at Claire's. Like, I think you can still, which is a problem. And it was the first time I had ever seen anybody be like, mm, maybe don't do that. Maybe, maybe don't. But I like that you brought up the scene with Iraqis. I wanted to bring that up because it is like, it's really this this example of her sort of the difference between appropriation and like understanding and honoring. And appreciation. Yeah, and appreciation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's such an important conversation to have. And um, I definitely feel like the book did that yeah. by the end of it. You know, Gwen really does kind of, I mean, obviously she's not perfect and she still has her flaws, but I think that she's more like kind of realizing where she went wrong. Yeah. And that's super, super, like, you know, important in terms of bettering yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what did you think about Karsh? I, I, mm, Karsh is dreamy. I want to do like, <laughs> I want to say like one more bit about Gwen's oh my God, narrative please, yes. because like I, I love her as a character. I hate her as a person. My God, she's oh, irritating. Yeah. I think if she was my daughter's best friend, I would, I be, would like, be like, listen, we're moving. <laughs> but I love that Dimple's mom, like. I love Dimple's mom's relationship with Gwen because Dimple's mom understands Gwen's background Mm -hmm. and knows a lot more about Gwen's background than Dimple does and, you know, understands that her dad ditched them and that her mom is, like, not around and really stepped in and, like, and mothered Gwen in a lot of ways and then, like, really I feel like is navigating the conversation of, okay, honey, but, like, you're not, 
Yeah. Like you're not Indian, actually. <laughs> In a way that's that's really beautiful and very maternal. She really navigates it really graciously. And like when, when Gwen's trying on the Rockies is like, okay, but like mm-hmm. these symbolize for me a deep relationship with my brother who died, right? Yeah. Like and for her they're deeply personal and she kind of communicates that. And then when she just flat out sabotages Gwen, when she's she Gwen asks Dimple's mom to teach her how to cook so she can woo Karsh. And Gwen's mom or Dimple's mom, I think, again probably understanding that Karsh is not actually super into Gwen and kind of seeing the situation from not a teenage perspective um, gives her the wrong spice proportions for the chicken curry. It makes it inedibly spicy. (laughs) Um, And I I love that moment where her mom is like, okay, but like, you're still my daughter. (laughs) You still come first. She's like, Um, so don't eat the curry. mm -hmm. Just a little tip. And Dimple's super confused, like, yeah. wait, what did my mom do? Yeah. That scene was so funny. I, I felt that. so bad for Gwen, but at the same time, I was kind of like, you know. Had <laughs> it coming. But I want to talk about the scene where Gwen steals all of Dimple's clothes and then makes her photograph her in the district where Queens all the Indian Heights. people yeah, Jackson live. Heights. Yeah, yeah, in Jackson Heights in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is just, to me, so, like... It's the epitome of <sighs> cultural appropriation. Yeah. And it's, she's she's always telling Dimple what to wear and buying her Western clothes that don't work on her and don't fit her properly. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the scene where she buys the matching outfits. That <sighs> made me so mad. You so know mad. what you're doing, yeah. Gwen. Yeah. You're yeah. trying 100%. to look better than her. So mad about that. And oh man, we can get into the whole fucking like the white boy being oh, like, oh, do will. you know Karma Sutra? And, oh, like, that was so gross. Yeah. I was like, God. <laughs> the, the, the guy in college asking the high schooler this. Yeah. yeah. And then Gwen takes all of her clothes and is like, I'm going to wear these as costumes for a sh- photo shoot in Jackson Heights where I use brown people as props mm-hmm. to show off my whiteness mm-hmm. wearing Indian clothes mm-hmm. and this is the kind of like like shit that fashion magazines call juxtaposition and they use it all the time and like there's that white couple who had their wedding photos taken in a like village with small brown children or some shit like it's just like yeah but it's so ahead like it's of the conversation so ahead of its conversation i yeah. swear i was shook i would keep like flipping back to the first page with all like the you know the copyright information and i was like is this really from 2002 and not 2012 yeah, yeah. and i think if this book had come out in in like after 2010 it would have blown up oh yeah i think it is it is like not fair that it's not getting i feel like everybody who cares about these issues and everyone who's even slightly like confused by them needs to pick up this book and read that yeah. read it like it is so well done but back to Karsh yes so now that's all I wanted to say about Gwen I wanted oh, to bring yeah. up the photo shoot that so part now we can I was get like oh Karsh. my god I hate you he's dreamy he's cute I like him yeah. I was at first like like so in the back of the book it kind of tells you that she meets this guy and she's like whatever he's a suitable boy but not suitable for her and then she goes to a club and she sees him like being a dj and then she realizes there's a whole other side to him so me being me i had my preconceived ideas about the book and i thought that for some reason i thought he was going to be like like also whitewashed or something but like hiding it from his parents you know like the classic like (laughs) 
story about like brown kids pretending to be brown in front of parents then white in front of their friends but it was not like that it was very like he knew who he was and i love that about Mm -hmm. him he was not like god he was such a refreshing male character i find like super respectful and sweet and intelligent and understanding Mm -hmm. and could hold a conversation without bringing up like sex every four seconds and like oh so deep and like thoughtful it was so good and i was shipping it he respects his mama and he loves his mother and even his father who he has problems with you know like it was so understands that yeah like he's such a kind guy and you know i really liked how so when she first first uh, meets him he comes over with his mother for like their awkward you know i don't even know what it was it wasn't like an arranged marriage meeting it was just really just like a basic meeting I well, think. It's, it's their moms were, were their moms best were friends best friends, back in the yeah, day, and, they, and they're reconnecting. Yeah, exactly. And then it's also like, oh, and look, we have a son and daughter of the same age. Yeah, <laughs> how convenient, <laughs> yeah. right? So when she first sees him, I was expecting it to be like he walked in through the doors and like she automatically starts describing him as this beautiful, like or like really intriguing guy. But she straight out was like, he was basic. Wearing basic clothes, basic shoes. Pleated khakis. Pleated. Oh, she was so unimpressed. And I love that. And then slowly but surely, she starts describing him differently every time she sees him. Suddenly, she notices how beautiful his eyebrows are and how full his lips are and how he has this way of speaking to other people and all of these little things. And slowly, she falls in love with him. And I thought that was so realistic. And I was so shook. Because oftentimes, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, in all these movies and books, like when the main characters meet, it's often very like, whoosh, like a huge thing and fireworks or like there's that one thing they can't stop thinking about. But in this book, it was really not like that. It was so real. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you often don't fall in love with someone until you really have that one conversation with them and you see this like true side of them, which Mm -hmm. is only like later on when the club you know and then she starts feeling like a different way about him and i love that i was so happy i didn't have like the typical thingy you know where he walks in and it's this like huge thing and like she's like obsessed with him for a minute oh it was so not like that it was so real and she's so she's not like i don't know what the word is but she's not obsessed with the idea of love yeah i think she's very very cool and collected in that sense for a 16 17 mm-hmm. year old which is crazy because when i was 17 i was like oh my god love <laughs> well something i find really real about the way she falls in love with karsh is that she doesn't really start having feelings for him until she thinks he's into gwen and then she kind of lets like her guard down and she's like well we're just friends because he's into her and there's no way he's into me and so i can just like be friends and they have those comfortable conversations and she's able to open up because she's not feeling stiff and like she needs to have a certain face mm-hmm. and um you know she doesn't feel like she has to to perform yeah. a certain persona the way she does when we see her on the date with with D- Dylan or with Julian which one is dating what I don't remember which Julian. one she's dating yeah okay yeah. and that lets her actually get to know him uh yeah definitely i feel like so in the beginning she's meeting Gwen and Gwen's boyfriend at the time Dylan and his friend Julian so these two white boys and 
Gwen is kind of selling her to him in the sense where she's like, he loves Indian girls, wear, you know, wear a bindi on your forehead and, you know, talk about how Indian you are and like all this weird, creepy, like exotic, exotic, like talk. And I was so glad that that fell through because mm-hmm. I so at first Tefer told me that there was a love love triangle in this book and I was so scared that it was going to be between Julian and Karsh I know and I didn't want to tell you anything no I'm about glad it didn't you didn't yeah yeah <laughs> super cryptic I was like what is going to happen you're like just read I just, it I can't I can't this is one of those books that I like can't yeah and give anything oh, away. I was so happy that Dimple has enough respect for herself to not develop feelings for someone who is that trash like he was garbage.com yeah i was happy that he apologizes to her at the end and he's like i realized i was being total weirdo and like she's just like nope sorry i'm busy with other stuff oh my god when they're going on the date and she's like do i does he even know who i am and she's like yeah i said you were the indian girl yeah i mean the indian the indian girl (laughs) like oh my god are you kidding me gwen oh she's so you know what though i'm gonna be honest i kind of wanted them to like stop being friends at the end i do think they maybe cool off a little bit yeah i don't know so if anything i feel like this book is a book of dimple falling in love with herself yes perfect way to put it that's so accurate and i think that by the end like when we see her at the club with karsh and with Gwen and with everybody with her photos like being exhibited and her parents are there and it's just this like it is a party celebrating Dimple and it's amazing and I feel like Gwen has become kind of more of a secondary character Mm -hmm. at that point and Dimple needed to get in touch with her family and her community and that gives her the kind of courage and fortitude to set boundaries with Gwen because like I don't know, like, I do feel like Gwen shows some growth in that scene because, like, she's there at a club that is a South Asian club and she is wearing white people clothes, like, which is not something she would have done in the past. Yeah. I do hope that Dimple and Gwen have, like, much firmer ba- boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Because Gwen like is kind of awful. Gwen, yeah, I don't know. I just found it hard to see anything good about her. I yeah. feel like, so we see her constantly putting guys before Dimple you know ditching her for her boyfriend of the month and it's just like i didn't i didn't really see anything like that positive about her besides the fact that they've been friends for like ever and i think that that often happens in friendships that are like decades long yeah you often forget why you're friends in the first place and you just like constantly go back to how it's been like a 10-year friendship or whatever 15-year friendship and it's like okay but what else you know yeah and even in the scene where dimple kind of apologizes to her for accusing her of stealing everything like gwen acts like the victim and refuses to acknowledge that she did anything wrong and she's just like you really hurt me and i need a break from you and dimple's just super apologetic and begging her for like forgiveness and i was reading that part like okay dimple but what are you getting out of this friendship like nothing i didn't see anything throughout the book i mean maybe i'm just being super like rude like harsh because i didn't like gwen's character but you know the the scene like this couple of scenes like near the end after their fight where they're taking a break from each other i mean dimple's fine yeah she's she kind of realizes that she doesn't need gwen the way she always thought she did 
and she is her own person mm-hmm. and she can do whatever she wants she can swim on her own or whatever she can go for a walk on her own without feeling that you know like constant worry about where where gwen is and what she's doing where, which which is what you see at the beginning of the book you know mm-hmm. and she kind of gains that independence and i really really like that and i'm sure at the end too there's like a different uh dynamic between them yeah. but i i still feel like we kind of missed out on a proper conversation between the both of them yeah we don't have a conversation where dimple yeah. is kind of like so these are my boundaries yeah and like and instead it's very all like everyone's happy with each other and it's like it's all perfect and fine and i'm yeah sure like that's great but i kind of wanted to see like a moment where dimple was finally telling gwen like not even just about cultural appropriation but like stealing karsh in the first place stealing you know like all of these little things and refusing to respect her yeah as her best friend I didn't see that conversation taking place, so I was a bit, like, let down by that. But again, I feel like Dimple perhaps doesn't need the conversation anymore. I feel like she's kind of okay on her own, and she's super independent by the end of the book. And I was happy to see that growth in her, because we definitely see it. Yeah, I almost feel like Dimple is just in a place where she is getting filled up by other people. Mm -hmm. And so she's able to be, like magnanimous and gracious with Gwen even though Gwen is like not giving her a lot but she I do see her in a place where she's no longer relying on Gwen for anything yeah she's kind of in a place where she's like well we're established as a part of each other's lives and Gwen really doesn't have anybody else Mm -hmm. and I, I almost see it as kind of like extending some grace to Gwen who is alone yeah and being like okay I'm not gonna cut you out but I have made sure that it's not just this kind of toxic you and me orbit but I do like again that's one of those things that I wonder if the book was written 10 years later if we might have seen more of yeah because it's something that exists a little bit more yeah. in the conversation now for sure as you were mm-hmm. saying like Twitter wasn't even you know created back then so and Twitter's definitely been a huge you know tool in um kind of pushing forth these conversations yeah. and that's definitely true but it's just, again, it's still crazy to see this conversation taking place in 2002. I yeah. love that. And there's a scene where they go to this seminar um, at NYU for South Asian students and their identity. Yeah. So um, Dimple really wants to be, you know, kind of impressive for Karsh as well, the same way Gwen is. But she thinks the way to do it is to learn more about her, like, history and so she like starts reading all of these books about Gandhi and like India and the partition and you know she like learns all of this she calls it useless information because when she does go to the seminar it's really them talking about things that are results of those histories so like you know post uh colonization and like you know um you know the south asian like word itself and how it kind of is positive because it promotes a sense of unity but it's also negative because it kind of erases everyone's history and kind of like puts them all together which is something we're trying not to do and like all of these conversations and she doesn't understand half of the words being used like appropriation and it's just so funny that scene because she sits there and she's like are you kidding me did i just read an entire book about gandhi for no reason but it's just like i love that because i was reading that part like 
wow in 2002 like i don't know what's wrong with me why did i think that this wasn't happening back then i don't know maybe it's again because of social media and it's but also like uh sorry i'm talking about white supremacy a lot but like so when you when you get into the history of communities in north america that are like marginalized like so much of the history just isn't taught and isn't put forward and it's all there if you look for it but you have to look for mm. it like we see this with like the history of trans people too where it's like yeah sorry i interrupted no, you no, again, no, but no. like you see like the history going back like like they were doing hormone therapy and and gender affirmation surgery in germany pre-world war yeah. ii and that's one of the main things the ss bird like I'm just saying it's not exactly like just coincidence that we don't learn about these things. Like, yeah. of course, they're there, but you have to seek them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what is happening. She's seeking it out because, sure, it's because of this guy she's interested in. But in the long run, she ends up meeting these people like her cousin. She gets involved in this crowd. And even this one guy she goes to high school with, she calls him Jimmy Singh. Yeah. And she never talks to him in in high school because she's kind of afraid to be associated with him because he smells of coconut oil and curry. And I felt that. I was like, dang, that is like shots fired. Because even when I was in high school and I was like having this stupid identity crisis, even I was like, oh my God, brown kids, I need to separate myself from that. I can't be associated with that. And like, finally, you know, you see that change within her because she constantly, for example, bumps into Jimmy and starts calling him by his real name. Was it Trilock? Trilock? I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But yeah, so she finally, and he even calls her out on it. He's like, why do you ignore me in high school? And she's like, I honestly, yeah, why do I do that? And I love that, that she's having these conversations. She's meeting these people. She's seeing these histories and these, you know, amazing, like, Oh, it's just so great to see because I did not expect that in this book at all. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's 17 years old and she's already being exposed to all of this. And like, I know it sounds weird to say already being exposed to it because you should be exposed to it like earlier in an ideal world you would be. But for example, for me, I was only exposed to it after high school, like in college, you know, and Mm -hmm. when I was like maybe 18, 19. And it's just like, I can see how it affects her and how it changes her relationship with herself yeah. and also her relationship with her parents. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Her parents. Okay. I love her parents I so love, much. I love. I love yeah. Oh, man. They're like, I want to talk about her parents and I want to talk about Sabina and Kavita. Yes. And like queer representation in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, so her parents are are the thing that like like stuns me in this book is that usually in YA books you have a time when like the parents are not being supportive. There's usually that arc of like parents have a relationship, kid starts to do changes because they're becoming an adult, parents don't really like it, and then everybody resolves. And in this book, her parents are just supportive. I was shocked. They're wonderful. They're amazing. Yeah, and that's another thing. I feel like like often like I don't know about other. Uh, groups but like brown people often like I feel like our families are always dysfunctional just because they are so uh, it's just based on like this weird you know like arranged marriages I mean for example people claim that they're so successful but it's really like because there's no divorce rates but then you link it back to the idea that actually most women aren't allowed to talk about the problems they're experiencing in these marriages therefore there is no divorce so like i don't know i feel like i've always had this experience where i've seen 
brown families uh, being dysfunctional not only in terms of like real life but also like in movies and in books you know it's always like the the controlling father and the controlling mother and and they definitely have instances where they want to control everything in her life like they they're the mom is not really supportive of her photography dream and all of that but you know con they constantly say in this book to, to uh dimple uh you don't have anything to complain about your family's perfect there's this scene where she's actually smoking weed with Karsh and Gwen, which is such a funny scene. My favorite. It's it my favorite so scene maybe in funny. all of literature. Oh my god. The way she gets high and like the way it's described and like her high, like the way that this author writes is poetry. Yeah. I am telling you, it was so crazy. But anyways, um read the book for that please scene alone. please it is so good so that scene you know they're before they smoke weed they're talking about their families gwen and uh, karsh and they both have gone through so much and um dimple doesn't really have anything to add because her family's pretty cool like they don't really do anything like she doesn't have any dysfunctional like like parents or anything like that and they call her out on it they're kind of like you don't have well not Karsh, but Gwen. She's like, your life is perfect. You have nothing to complain about, which is kind of crappy to say. But you definitely see that because, yeah, it's true. Like, her parents are pretty great. And it was so refreshing to see because, like, I really don't see brown parents in that light in, in books and stuff and, and in movies. But, oh, her parents. I love, love that, that we get their, like, romantic past. Oh, when, yeah. When Karsh's mother is talking about yeah. how, like, her dad would pick her mom up on her on his motorcycle and, like, drive her around. And, like, when she's like, oh, yeah, everybody wanted to date your dad. And Dimple's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me of what I've always said, like, how we don't really know our parents, especially, like, children of immigrants. Uh, you don't get that, you know privilege to like kind of know every single thing about them just because they've gone through so much that yeah. it kind of gets left behind and you see that in the book she kind of learns all of these interesting facts about her parents and especially her her mother she learns that her mother was this amazing dancer and she is shocked because she never thought that her parents were arti artistic in that yeah. sense and uh you know her mother had to give up that dream and so that kind of influences her to push dimple to kind of give up on hers and kind of go for something that's a bit more realistic so i was really happy you know at the end of the book that they have that conversation i love when dimple does the photo shoot of her mom in yeah. her in her um in her like dancing, dancing costume, clothes yeah. yeah yeah oh so beautiful that scene and i also really love that scene at the end where after she's had that fight with gwen and she's not talking to gwen or karsh and she's kind of on her own and finding herself well she was finding herself throughout the book but you know when she's really really like alone she like kind of looks at her dad in this other light and she remembers all of the things that they used to do together when she was a kid like wake up super early in the, the morning and dates. yeah wake up super early in the morning and go for breakfast and like get these amazing you know corn muffins and this milkshake and all of that and like oh that scene made me cry i'm so hard yeah i cried a lot reading that part because she starts looking at her father and she the way she describes him really broke my heart you know like she says um she starts like describing his graying hair and his bald spot and 
like the wrinkles around his eyes and stuff that she didn't notice before because she was so busy with everything else and she finally takes the time and you know says to herself you know this is my dad i i want to fix my relationship with him because at the beginning of the book she says uh she doesn't have anything to talk to uh with her dad about like whenever they're together it's usually just silent but by the end of the book you know she just decides to go and get some corn muffins Mm -hmm. with him and they try to fix that and i love that it was Mm -hmm. so heartwarming to read i also want to point out because we're talking about how her parents aren't like super supportive of her pursuing photography as a as a dream but her parents built her a dark room Mm -hmm. like she has a dark room where she develops her photos and i do really see a lot of it is that she doesn't really share her photos with her parents like she shares them here and there the ones she thinks they'll like but she doesn't really share the ones that she's passionate about. And when they finally see her work, because it's being printed in a magazine and and there's an exhibition of it, they're like, oh, no, we get it. Like, you're very, very good. Of course you should do this. We Mm -hmm. understand. Um, And I think that happens often with teenagers. It's like, I have this dream of something I want to do, but I don't want want anybody to know I'm good at it. Yeah. Because I'm scared that maybe I'm not good at it exactly Um, yeah i feel like that's a constant thing with dimple like she keeps everything to herself very 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 closed off at the beginning of the book i think um also this is random but i feel like she's a cancer right i think her birthday is in july or the end of june um because the book takes place from june to august so i think she's definitely a cancer and um gwen is a leo yeah and so is karsh of course, Kirsch is a Leo. I feel like they're both Leos. Of but course, Kirsch oh, is she a was Leo, such a cancer. Yeah. She literally was like keeping it all to herself, and then getting upset when nobody understood her. I'm a Cancer Moon, so I was like, yeah. ah, it's a God. water sign thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a water sign thing. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you know, she doesn't I, talk about anything. I like that we now have a bit with like Caddy. It's it's who can get it on our shows, and with, with you, me, it's, it's like, what are their what's signs? their astrology? <laughs> Let's do that every Let's time, that. Yeah. please. I love. I do that every time I read a book. I'm like, what's this? Or watching a movie. I'm like what's their sign doesn't her mom talk about astrology at yeah some point, i mean though? it's like, a huge signs thing come up. it's yeah, a huge yeah. thing in there i think in the, yeah. the indian culture right yeah. the horoscopes and astrology yeah oh my best friend just did an ayurvedic astrology like thing recently that she was telling me about it sounded so cool Ooh. yeah she's in denver though so oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i feel like she's just so closed off she doesn't talk about anything with anybody and then gets upset when nobody understands her and you know, finally at the end when Gwen and her are having that conversation, it's like, why didn't you say this earlier sort of thing? And the same thing for her photos and her parents. Like, yeah. why didn't you say it earlier? Why didn't you try to show them earlier? And Yeah, because if you keep it inside long enough, maybe you can figure out how to fix it just by yourself without ever telling mm-hmm. anybody that you have any flaws or weaknesses. That is a, yep, that's yeah. it right there. Yeah, I know that's how I live my life. <laughs> But yeah, I wanted to say I loved her relationship with her grandpa. Yes. That made me cry. So there's this so her grandfather uh passed away earlier, but she had a really close relationship with him. She would so she didn't speak his language and they couldn't understand each other in that sense, but the way they would communicate was they would take pictures and send the send it to each other. I don't know if he took pictures too. She she would send photos and he would write letters back. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like it was just so beautiful. And, you know, there's this part where she remembers the time when her grandpa was dying. 
and how her mother was trying to rush to India. And there was this moment where she was sitting there outside with her daughter, uh, I think at an airport, like waiting for the next flight or something. And she just started crying. And she was like, he's gone. He's leaving. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And Dimple's like, no, no, he's, he's fine. He's, you're going you're gonna to be able to see him before he goes. Mm-hmm. And the mom was like, no, I'm not. And like mm-hmm. that was just so painfully real because I see that constantly. You know, when your family is living across the world and you you get news that something's happening to them it's just heartbreaking because you know by the time you go there it's just it's gonna be what two days later and it's already gonna be done yeah and i've seen that a lot especially with my own dad and his brother's passing away it's just really sad to see because he'll get the news and he sits there and it's the same thing as what the mother goes through that moment of realization that they're slipping away from this world Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and there's nothing you can do about it it was just so heartbreaking to read and i was so like not i don't know surprised i think to read that because it was so all too familiar and it was a it's something i think that comes up often when we think about our parents and how as immigrants they have to you know give up everything and come to a place where they're they know nothing and nobody and oh it was just so sad to see that part made me cry a lot (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I even saw that as like her mom having such a deep connection to her dad that he could she could feel mm-hmm. like the moment he was passing over and I yeah. think that's a really beautiful and like well-documented thing that's like something about human connection mm-hmm. <laughs> that we don't understand. But yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful moment. This book and sad. Yeah, I feel like this book the I know I think the word to describe it would be beautiful so beautiful the way it's written yeah i just can't believe somebody can write this way i know it's i i'm going to reread it like immediately because it is beautiful (laughs) i honestly i was telling teffer i would for example i would like read a sentence out loud and my mom would be in the kitchen she'd be like that sounds beautiful yeah and it's just like i really appreciated that you know the words that were used and strung together to form a sentence Mm -hmm their function wasn't just to describe something it was to like kind of like evoke emotion in the reader and i feel like usually we get that in like specific parts where for example somebody's dying or somebody's professing their love but in this book it was literally every single sentence like she would be describing the sun setting and it would make my heart melt oh i don't know how someone can write this way i mean she's like she's a music writer right she's also a musician yeah and a filmmaker Mm -hmm. like she does everything amazing yeah but you could definitely pick that up in this book like you can sense that i feel like music is one of those things i will never understand like i love listening to it but when i meet somebody who makes music or like writes music i'm like how like my brain just does not understand how you can rhyme words (laughs) that are like so and like tell a story at the same time are you kidding me i I can't even rhyme like cat with like hat okay i just did but still bravo this is your first you i am a rapper now (laughs) but oh my god i know i just saw this video clip of of Nicki minaj on jimmy kimmel isn't she great she like did you see it yeah like the random word generator and he's like okay you have to do a freestyle with yeti edible arrangement and what was the other one Mm, something megatron she rhymed it with megatron yeah i don't know anyway but it was incredible and she just sits there for a minute she's like alrighty, i got it I'm like, and then oh, she just freestyles yeah it's incredible yeah i don't know how people do that i don't know how people write music and i don't know how people describe it like i've had to write like music pieces in the past 
uh, as a journalism student and i can't i that was the hardest thing i've ever done <laughs> i was like the sounds were great <laughs> and in this book karsh is a dj right but it's like described in the way she writes oh about music my God, is the way she writes about music and music yeah. brings so many people together in this yeah. book yeah and it's described as this living breathing thing yeah and it's just so powerful. I was just like... She has such respect for DJing as an art. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I it makes me understand it. DJing. Usually when people mm-hmm. are like, oh, yeah, I'm a DJ. I'm like, okay, nice iPod. Like, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> um, but in this one, she really talks about... Okay, I broke Sanya. <laughs> she really talks about, like, the DJ, like, paying attention to the club and, like, you know, making the tracks mm-hmm. match the energy and, and, like, it really is, like, I mean, I guess good DJing as opposed to <laughs> putting on a song that I a, a pro, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, when she's going through the club, before she realizes that Karsh is actually the DJ, she tells herself, wow, the person playing is playing for me. Yeah. And I never thought about it that way. I mean, and he is because he's in love he's in with her love the with whole her. time. Oh my god, so cute! But yeah, it's just so wonderfully written. And I wish that every single person on this entire like universe could read this book. And I really wish it could be republished or something like that. I don't it's, know if that's a thing. It's it, yeah. The, <sighs> People need to know about this book. I just want to buy a bunch of copies and yeah, like just leave hand them, them around. Like yeah, literally. Donate them to libraries like um Netflix option this. Please, it would make such a good movie. I was like picturing everything so vividly in my mind yeah. and I barely do that. I mean, the oof. the fashion in it is wonderful. I yeah. love the way she describes clothes. I love the fact that Dimple's outfit in like the very last scene is literally an outfit I had. In amazing like 2004 yeah no 2002 fashion i think it was kind of like so many fails yes but yeah. the way she describes it again it's just so it sounds beautiful even yeah. like the flared jeans and whatever they're coming boot back cut. oh ready. god they're coming yeah. back they're already they're already back Ooh. they're back i saw somebody wearing flared jeans with like embroidered roses on the bottom on the metro Okay, you know what? I'm not they so mad cute. because flares look really good on me. You're lucky then. Because you're, like, you're set for summer. Well, it's because I have very skinny lower legs mm. and a big ass. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from your Middle Eastern. But, but may <laughs> low cut jeans never ever have their moment again. Low cut jeans. Low cut jeans are a crime against S- humanity. Satan. Yeah. Satan, right there. I yeah. literally. Oh, even if I want, if when I see one, like it, just in a store, I get so triggered. It's just <laughs> let's just not even get there. They're they're atrocious. Atro- they're they're diabolical. <laughs> like there's maybe one person in the world who looks good in them. Christina Aguilera. Yeah. We didn't. Okay, we do need to. I, we need to wrap up. We didn't even talk about queer representation in this book. Uh, okay, wait, real quick. Okay, I'm let's talk obsessed. about it real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. So her cousin Kavita, okay? So she, like... Her cousin Sabina is her girlfriend. Yes. There we go. So she, you know, one night she sleeps over at her house and uh, she's like, I'm in love <laughs> with an ABCD, which is American-born... Uh, confused Daisy. you know she doesn't say if it's a girl or a guy or if it's a, you know anybody and i obviously automatically assumed it was a guy because i'm whatever still working on that no so did i yeah but um i was so pleasantly surprised by how it was introduced in the book you know it was very like 
very cool and not a huge deal and it was so accepted and i was like yes again 2002 dimple's parents were totally like totally chill and dimple yeah. was like what you're chill and They're dimple's like, mom is just yeah. like there are there are gay people in india dimple Literally, yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god i love this but sabina turned out to be trash but i love that sabina turned out to be trash i i loved that there was like a lesbian couple and that lesbian couple didn't have to be the end all and be all of couples that is very true and that like uh, sabina was being a real jerk to kavita for like not being indian enough and not being gay enough like i loved having yeah. that like femme lesbian representation yeah. of being like well no i i want to dress this way and have long hair and i don't want to go into gender studies and that doesn't make me less gay like mm-hmm. get over yourself mm-hmm. exactly Oh, I love that. Also, Zara. My God. So throughout the book, they call her a drag queen. Yeah. And I was confused. I think she is a drag queen. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think she is. I think I can't remember his name when he is not. Zara. I don't know. If they I can say only it. remember his drag name. Yeah, I think it was just Sarah. Um, as he is presented in the book, it is like a gay man with a strong drag persona. Okay. But I also feel like this is one of those things that happens so much still even today in pop culture where it's like drag and trans people are the same thing. And yeah. like maybe a little bit of a missed mark there, maybe a little bit of a... Because she does draw the parallel to... Um, oh, now I can't remember the word. Hydra? Okay. Yeah, Hydra. And like... That's not That's drag. why I got confused. Those are trans women. That's why I got confused. So that's a little bit yeah. like... Like, there, there, like, there's a huge community of them in India and yeah. in Pakistan. Yeah. And, like, that's why I got confused because they bring they say it. But then in a few book chapters, they say drag queen. So I was a bit like, wait, I don't understand. But I think that, again, it's what you said. It was a bit one of those things where... Yeah, I mean, it still happens. Yeah, it like, happens it, all the it time. It happens all the time and it drives me crazy. I um, mean, conversations clear it up. Which is cool because they kind of have a conversation about that. I do feel like with as tied, like I do feel like the way it is written, it seems like Zara identifies most like more with her drag persona than your average drag queen would. And I, I do wonder if like maybe we could have a sequel novel with her, like exploring her gender identity. Cause I, I do feel like we she... love sequels out here. Like yeah. we're always telling authors, <laughs> so write another book. You know please. what? It's been it's been what, sixteen years. Doesn't mean you can't write a sequel. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um because I do feel like maybe like maybe she's an egg. Maybe she's like she's like gonna you know, maybe drag is the way she's exploring her gender identity now and she will yeah later transition or maybe you know it's just one of those things where it's like people don't always understand that there is a difference yeah (laughs) true but there is heck yeah trans people are not a costume yup i was just so pleasantly surprised by all of the like representations in this book you know she packs a lot in and it all feels natural it does it doesn't feel forced it's very like it was a clear reflection, I think, of the world. Because yes, the world absolutely. we live in is super diverse. And it's, you know, there's so many characters like this in real life. You just go down the street and you'll meet so many people like this. And I didn't see that enough in books or in media in the early 2000s at all. I thought, you know, everything was white. And yeah, I just feel like I wish that this book had gotten more like more of a shot. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. 
I'm this, hope- I mean, it was way ahead of its time. It, and unfortunately, yeah. books that are way ahead of their time kind of sometimes don't get mm. the attention they need when they first come out. But yeah. um, we can still give it the attention. It just Heck <laughs> yeah, like, on this podcast. People read this book. Please. Like literally the only place I see this book when I like Google it is like, I've seen it on some like list roundups of like yeah. books about the South Asian experience. And it's always like way down at the bottom. And it's just like, everybody should be like, like, writing about this this book is so good it is so good also oh my god the food (gasps) the food oh my god so that scene where she's high and she comes home is so funny so her parents got me hooked on mint milanos for life i know that's not the focus (laughs) of the scene but no it actually kind of is so like she walks in super high and her parents are like hi <laughs> and then she thinks they're saying hi she, question mark she goes, <laughs> she's like no i can explain please <laughs> and then she just sits down and starts eating and her dad's like like dimple you're eating like a pregnant woman <laughs> and she's just eating the frozen samosas like oh, beta won't that be a wonderful day <laughs> it was such a funny scene i actually burst out laughing so many times while i read this book because it was so realistic and <laughs> there's this other part where she comes home drunk and her parents think she's an alcoholic and she's like nobody had a gun to my head i mean nobody forced me to do funnel shots and her mom's like funnel shots what is that and her dad's like who, who had a gun <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny it's so i was trying to find the scene when she's high because like there's a very wonderful part of it, and I wanted to read it word for word, but I, I can't find it. Maybe um, I can find it. Okay, because C- I could describe it, but it, it won't be as good if I describe it. <laughs> oh, man, this is not the part I was going to read, but have you been crying, asked my father? No, um, laughing. Where <laughs> is it? Uh, I was onto the chutney now, shoving a chunk of samosa into the mango tangoing jar. Dimple, it's easier if you put a spoonful on your plate and dip. I spooned some jelly jam out onto my plate and then shoved the samosa back in the jar. They were right. It fit better now. Why were they just staring at me? So good. It's so good. It's so good. This book is amazing, everyone. Please pick it up and read it because you will not be disappointed. Seriously. I feel like we could keep talking about this for two hours. Oh, yeah. Um, Another two hours. Oh, it's been a while. Oops. <laughs> it's not, it hasn't actually been two hours, but it's definitely been over an hour. Sorry, folks. It's a good book. Deal with it. Read it. Then yes, you understand. Please. I'm just, I'm so excited to read it for like probably the 20th time. I also messaged Tanisha Desaillier. I saw her on Instagram story that she was in Montreal. And I was just like, I've got to give this a shot. And I messaged her and was like, super fan here if you're still in Montreal would love to get a coffee like we'd love to talk to you and she messaged back and was like oh I saw this once I was back in Maine but like hit me up give me your emails and like emailed us a lovely email and so amazing she's basically she's my new best friend um despite probably being 20 years older than me I always kind of have a lot of respect for an author who like wrote one really good book and then is like, I'm doing other stuff now. Mm-hmm. It's is like that there's the something. Case here? Yeah, yeah. She's written one novel, as oh. far as I know. Okay. Um, and I kind of like the idea of just being like, I had one really good book in me, so I wrote this one really good book. Honestly, if I read some, I wrote something like this, I probably would never pick up a pen again. Right? I'd just be like, I did it. I'd be like, Yep, that's it. I'm that's, done. That's the pinnacle. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it, folks. 
Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at Sanya Malagex. And I'm at Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tepper Adenian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upford Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her pipe back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upford Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're, We're blasting, blasting off again! I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom.